G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as dial-up internet? Today we're going to start with a spot quiz. So we're going to ask three questions. The first question that we have today is, what is the longest book in the Bible? We'll ask the questions first and then we'll examine the answers. What is the longest book in the Bible? The next question that we have is, who was the most prolific writer in the New Testament? Who wrote the most in the New Testament? And the last question that we have is, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? And you can get extra points if you know where this verse is found. So let's just go over them again. The first question is, what is the longest book in the Bible? Then the most prolific writer in the New Testament, followed by what is the shortest verse in the Bible? So let's go through them. The first question we had was, what is the longest book in the Bible? Now I asked these questions at both Ballarat and Horsham churches, and the overwhelming answer I got was that this was the book of Psalms. However, Psalms is the third longest book in the Bible. The longest book in the Bible is actually the book of Jeremiah. It sits at 33,002 words. The second longest book in the Bible is the book of Genesis at 32,046 words. And Psalms is actually the third longest book in the Bible at 30,147 words. Almost 3,000 words, that's 10% shorter than the book of Jeremiah. And this is actually only because of the way that we have the books divided now. If you take into account the way the books were when they were written, Psalms would be the sixth longest book in the Bible. You see, we now have 1st and 2nd Samuel as two separate books, but originally they were one document. The reason that it was separated was because of the nature of scrolls. Having the book of Samuel in just one scroll was just too much work. It was too heavy and too difficult to work through it. So they separated it into 1st and 2nd Samuel. If you look at the way the books were actually written, the longest book in the Bible is the book of Kings, or Kingdoms as it was initially called. This is followed by the book of Chronicles, and then the book of Samuel, followed by Jeremiah, Genesis, and then the book of Psalms. Now, let's go to our second question. Who was the most prolific writer in the New Testament? The answer I usually get when asking this question is Paul. How many of you who are listening actually think the answer to this question is Paul? However, the answer is actually Luke. Luke was the most prolific writer in the New Testament. While he only wrote Luke and the book of Acts, he wrote a total of 37,933 words. Paul, on the other hand, he only wrote a total of 32,407 words. That's a bit more than 10% less than what Luke wrote. The last question we had was, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? Surely we know this one. When asking this question, I almost immediately get the answer, Jesus wept. How many of our listeners think that the answer to this question is, Jesus wept? The shortest verse in the Bible is actually found in the book of Job, chapter 3, verse 2. And it reads, He said. This is three letters less than Jesus wept. Now this is found in the New International Version. However, if you're looking at the King James or the New King James Version, the answer is actually Jesus wept. Let's look at some easier questions, or at least questions that are not based on the Bible. Who would you say is the world's largest toy distributor? Who distributes more toys in the world than anyone else? Do you have any idea? The answer is McDonald's. They distribute 1.5 billion toys each year through their Happy Meals. And the last question we have is, who would you think is the biggest tyre manufacturer in the world? Who manufactures more tyres than anyone else? 
I just changed the front tires of my car last week, and I chose Goodyear tires. Are they the world's biggest tire producer? The answer is no. The world's biggest tire producer is Lego. Lego manufactures around 700 million tires each year, which is significantly more than its nearest rival, Bridgestone, which only manufactures 25 million. The title of our presentation today is "Things Are Not as They Appear to Be." But what things are we talking about? We'll find out just after this song. Is it relevant today? You're listening to Marius Jigao, and today we're looking at the topic of things are not as they appear to be. We live in a world where nothing is certain. Uncertainty plagues us, much like COVID. And over the last few weeks, I've spoken to a number of people who are in utter despair because of the uncertainty around them. I spoke to someone who was even having trouble sleeping because of the events that they're witnessing around them. In this regard, Christians are really blessed that they have their faith to fall back on. We have the assurance that God is ultimately in control, even though this world appears to be going pear-shaped. However, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one, which for a long time really bugged me. This verse says, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." Now the reason that this verse bugs me is because it appears to be circular reasoning. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So my belief that I have is the evidence for the things I don't see, because of the belief I have. Right? It certainly appears to be circular reasoning. It also says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. How can faith be substantial? Now I had a look at the Greek word that's used here for faith, and it's the word pistis, which is derived from the Greek word patho. Now patho means to persuade or to be persuaded. Essentially, what faith is is it's a belief, it's a trust that we have. So how can this belief or this trust that we have be substantial? How can it be the evidence for the things that are not seen? 
You see, the faith we have isn't some airy fairy faith, you know, oh, let's sprinkle a little bit of fairy dust here. No, the faith that we have is actually based on substantial evidence in the Bible. There is substantial evidence to the credibility of the Bible. If you have a look at the historical evidence for the Bible, last year I was doing an in-depth study of the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles. And as I was studying this, I was reading an archaeological Bible which my mum gave me. Now, in this Bible, for each passage that you read, it shows you artifacts and various discoveries that have been found that confirm that passage. And I found that there was an abundance of things that confirmed the events in the Bible. You'd read the story of the wars between the Israelites and the Assyrians, and you find these artifacts belonging to Israelites, which confirm this, and you also find artifacts belonging to Assyrians, which confirm this. There was so many artifacts that confirmed the stories that I was reading. But not only this, there is overwhelming manuscript evidence. Did you know that in Australia, just under half of the people do not believe that Jesus existed? However, if you ask the same people, they would likely tell you that they believe that Aristotle existed. However, we only have 49 manuscripts of Aristotle, but we have over 25,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. We find manuscripts, even those who oppose to Christianity, give us evidence of events that happen in the New Testament. Another strong evidence for the credibility of the Bible is the fact that all of the authors of the Bible, of which there are around 40, they all agree. Now, this might not seem like a big deal, but think about it. Writers wrote over a period of 1,500 years, and they are all in complete agreement with each other. I mean, today we struggle to have writers that are from the same place in the same time to agree on something. In the Bible, we have 66 books which are all completely in agreement with each other. The other evidence that we have towards the credibility of the Bible is the experiences that we have had. Now, you can tell me that God doesn't exist, but I won't believe you because I know, I have tasted, I have experienced. A good example of this is, I may tell you that this cake is really sweet. And you may say, nah, it's not sweet. But there's nothing you could say to convince me that the cake isn't sweet because I've tasted it. I know what it tastes like. And you may not believe it, but I know because I've tasted it. Now, the last evidence that we're going to have a look at is actually my favorite. It's the evidence of prophecy. There are many prophecies in the Bible. In fact, there are 1,817 prophecies in the Bible, according to the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy. And all of them pertaining to a time before today, were fulfilled exactly as prophesied in the exact time they were prophesied. My personal favorite is the prophecy of Tyre, found in Ezekiel chapter 26. It's essentially prophesied that the city of Tyre will be destroyed and it will be taken and thrown into the sea. And I love this prophecy because it's crazy, right? It's like me saying Ballarat is going to be taken and thrown into the sea. It's just crazy. But around 265 years after this prophecy was given, Alexander the Great came and wanted to build a pathway to an island and he used the remains of Tyre to do it, fulfilling this prophecy to the letter. The evidences which we've just looked at, as well as the prophetic evidence, is what gives substance for our faith. Now stay with us after this song and we'll further examine the substance that our faith is made of. A mighty fortress is our God A bulwark never failing Our helper He amid the flood Of mortal ills prevailing Still our ancient foe Doth seek to work us woe His craft and power are great And armed with cruel hate On earth is not his equal
got the right man on our side The man of God's own choosing Dost ask who that may be Christ Jesus it is He Lord Sabaoth His name From age to age the same And He must win the battle Is it relevant today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and today we're looking at the substance that we have to base our faith on. We've so far looked at historical evidence for the Bible. We've looked at the agreement of the biblical authors. We've also looked at the prophetic evidence in the Bible which testifies to its credibility. And some of these prophecies are absurd, like an entire city was prophesied to be thrown into the ocean. And even though it seems absurd, it was fulfilled to the letter. You see, Jesus says in John chapter 14 verse 29, And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I've told you these things before they happen. I saw this gentleman online who claimed to have had a revelation from God. And he claimed to have a prophetic dream. However, he only told us of the dream he had after the event actually happened. And I was like, Yes, you may have had a prophetic dream, but how do we really know? I mean, if you really wanted to show that you had a prophetic dream, you would have told people before the event actually happened. You see, Jesus didn't behave like this man. He didn't say, oh, I knew this would happen before it happened, and I'm now telling you after it happened. No, that's not the way the Bible functions. We're told before it happens, so that when it does happen, then we may believe. Now, I gave this example in a previous show, but I'm going to repeat it because I think it really makes this point clear. For those who've already heard it, you may have to suffer through it one more time. If I was to say to you, I have memorized John chapter 11, verse 35, how many of you would believe me? The verse says, Jesus wept. Well, it's not that hard to memorize, right? And if I hadn't done it before, well, I can quickly memorize it right now. It's not at all difficult. What if I was to say that I memorized the entire paragraph, including that verse, starting at verse 28 to verse 33? Or what if I was to say I actually memorized the entire chapter 11, word for word? What would you say? Is that credible? Or what if I was to say I've actually memorized the previous 10 chapters as well, word for word, 
without any mistakes. Now, when I give this example during seminars, people are always nodding their heads in agreement that I've memorized John 11.35. But as the passage gets bigger and bigger, people start having questions and start shaking their head. You see, when I made a small claim, you don't need much proof, right? Because it's a small claim. Anyone can memorize a two-word verse. But as the claim got bigger, people began to be like, oof, I'm not really sure. What if I then was to say, okay, well, let's have a look. Open your Bible to John chapter 1 in the New King James Version. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. And I keep reciting for you the entire chapter 1 until I get to the end, which says, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And then we get to chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, And I recite for you the entire chapter 2, and then get to chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are... And I recite for you the entire chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 and most of 11, and I don't make one single mistake. Now, I can't do it without making any mistakes. And if I'm to be truly honest, I haven't looked at chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9 for a while, so I think I'd struggle with them at the moment. But let's imagine that's not the case. Imagine I did them all without making one single mistake. And I got to verse 33 in chapter 11, which says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said to them, Where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And I stopped there at the end of verse 34. And I said to you, I know the next verse. Is that now credible? Well, the answer is yes. Of course it's credible. Because as you've been listening to me recite the previous 512 verses, your faith was growing. Your faith was becoming substantial. It's the same with the biblical prophecies that God has given us. It's the same with the evidence that we have for the existence of God and the truth of the Bible. We have the evidence of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies being fulfilled exactly as predicted at the exact time when we're told. And just like one's faith would grow substantially after hearing someone recite 512 verses without any mistakes and believe that they can recite the next one, our faith in God becomes substantial as we see His Word being fulfilled to the letter every time without exception. Our faith it has as its substance the evidence that we've seen before. The Bible actually tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. Now, why would that be? Why does God require faith in order to be pleased? We'll find out just after this song. Troubles and trials often betray Who has 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigau and today we've looked at the abundance of evidence, including prophetic evidence that the Bible gives that makes our faith substantial. But in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, we're told that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. This verse used to frustrate me a little bit. Probably more than a little bit. I used to ask myself, why does God need me to have faith to be pleased? I mean, why doesn't God just give me proof every time? And then I sat and thought about it and realized that my line of reasoning was kind of stupid. As I sat and thought about it, I realized that my beautiful wife, Gabrielle, is absolutely amazing. She is. I just can't explain how awesome Gabrielle is. And some of you who know her know that I'm by no means exaggerating. Gabrielle has never given me one iota of a reason to doubt anything she says. We've been married for about six and a half years and never once has there been any reason for me to doubt anything that she has said. Now imagine that I start not trusting her. And I say to her, I'm going to visit someone, or I'm going to do this Bible study. And she would say, okay, well, I'm going to stay home with the kids. And I would say, are you really going to stay home with the kids? And I'd drive to the next street and wait in my car for 20 minutes and walk home quietly and show up unexpectedly to make sure she's there. I'm constantly calling to make sure that she's home. I check her SMSs and her emails. I grab the phone out of her hand when she's talking to her mum and say, is this really mum Carla? Do you think this would please her? Most definitely not. Well, why wouldn't it please her? Well, because I don't have faith in her. I don't trust her. Now, we are trying to develop a relationship with God. And when we don't have faith, this shows that we don't trust Him. It's the same feeling. Without faith, it's not possible to please Him because He's shown us Hey, I've been faithful again and again and again and again and again, every single time. There's absolutely no reason for you to doubt. Why don't you trust me? You see, in our lives, we have two positions we can take. We can either choose to grow our faith or we can grow our doubts. I know many people who choose to constantly focus on their doubts. Why did God do this? Or why did He allow this? I don't understand why He would do this. And please don't misunderstand me. There are many things I don't know or don't understand or don't understand why God does things a certain way. And there's nothing wrong with having these questions. The problem arises when this is made a point of focus. Because we could spend most of our time focusing on the abundant evidence for the credibility of the Bible and of God and grow our faith in God. Or we can choose to focus on the doubts. One of the founders of our church writes, Now brethren, you have educated yourself so much in doubt and questionings that you have to educate your souls in the line of faith. You have to talk faith. You have to live faith. You have to act faith that you may have an increase in faith. Exercising that living faith, you will grow into strong men and women in Christ Jesus. By focusing on our doubts, we magnify them until they become the dominating factor in our Christian experience. By focusing on our faith and our trust in God, this grows our faith and it becomes the dominating factor. And please, I want to state again, don't misunderstand. This doesn't mean that we know everything and that we understand why God behaves in the way He does every single time. No, it just means that the substance for our Christian walk is our faith, is our trust in God, because this is what we predominantly focus on. The problem is that things are not always as they appear to be. We know that Satan is a defeated foe, but that's not how it appears to be. Noah was told a flood will come. But things were not at all as they appeared to be. Now, how did Noah deal with this problem? We'll find out just after this song. I'd rather have Jesus 
silver or gold I'd rather be his than have riches untold I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's red sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his hope. This world affords today He's fairer than lilies of a rarest bloom He's sweeter than honey from out the cold He's all that my hungry Spirit needs I'd rather have Jesus And let Him lead Than to be the King Of a vast domain And be held in sin's dread sway Jesus than anything this world affords today than to be the king of a vast domain and be This world affords today. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao, and today we've been looking at the abundant evidence in the Bible that gives us substance to hang our faith on. We found out that you can't please God without faith because no one in a relationship would be pleased if their partner didn't trust them. Trust is essential to a healthy relationship and God wants us to trust Him, to have faith in Him. We've also looked and seen that we can choose whether our faith will grow or whether it will become anemic by what we choose to focus on. 
When one is choosing to constantly focus on the things they don't understand and the things that bring doubt and disbelief, then doubt and disbelief is what's magnified in their lives. But when one chooses to focus on the abundant evidence that God has shown us that He is always faithful, then our faith in Him is the thing that grows. I imagine that Noah, as he was building the ark, that people around him would have been saying, have you lost your mind? Building an ark in the middle of the land? You know, we've spoken to the Bureau of Meteorology and there's no such thing as precipitation. Have you lost your mind? All the scientists are saying, you are insane. But it was not as it appeared to be. Noah knew that God was faithful. Noah was looking through the eye of faith and he knew that God had been faithful every time. And if God says there's going to be a flood, then there's going to be a flood. You see, Noah also had a choice. He could have chosen to focus on the doubts. I've never seen rain before. Why has God asked me to build a boat here in the middle of dry land? How could water cover the entire earth? Isn't that a bit crazy? Doesn't God care for me that if I share this news, I'm going to look like a crazy person? What about my family? Noah had every reason to doubt and could have focused on the doubt, but he chose not to. He chose to focus on the evidence he had seen in his life that showed him that God is faithful every time. In this way, his faith was developed and he was able to take God at his word. I'm sure he still had many questions, but he didn't choose to make them the point of focus. And when the time came, even though it seemed like a flood couldn't happen, things were not as they appeared to be. As the people of Israel went into Egypt and began their captivity, and they were promised that they will get the land of Canaan, it certainly didn't appear that way. And once they finally did get there, later on they were taken captive to Babylon. And they were wondering, how can Satan be a defeated foe? And they came out and rebuilt the temple. And the prophetic word was silent for almost 400 years. And then things got even darker. The Roman occupation took them and held them captive. And even their own religious leaders were keeping them captive within their own people. And then... One quiet night, in an obscure little town, was born the creator of the universe. And things were not as they appeared to be and as he began his ministry. And those around him began to believe that this was the long-awaited Messiah. They were convinced that he would break the bondage of Rome and would free his people. But things were not as they appeared to be. And then one frightful day, the great I Am was tied up and betrayed with a kiss of all things. And as the abuse and torture began, I can imagine his disciples asking, why? I can see Peter saying, why are you allowing this? I know you are the Son of God. I have seen you on the Mount of Transfiguration. I have seen you walk on water. Why don't you call down fire from heaven and consume these people? And then, to the horror of all those who loved him, the God of the universe was nailed to a tree. And in his dying words, Jesus declared victory of all things. But things were not as they appeared to be. I want to ask you today, are you building up your faith? Or are you building up your doubts? Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that doubts can't be substantial. In fact, if you look at Peter during the crucifixion, I can tell you he had many reasons to doubt. But what I'm saying is that we can make an informed decision not to focus on our doubts, but on the evidence for our faith. Because you see, the story didn't end with Jesus on a tree. Michelangelo used to be frustrated at the church because they often asked him to paint Jesus on the cross and he knew that this was not the main event in the redemption story. 
You see, on the third day, he rose from the grave. And because of this, we can walk away victorious and we can focus on our faith. Not because of anything I've done, not because of anything you've done, and not because of anything that pertains to me or you, but because one silent night, Jesus was born and he died on a cross, but rose again on the third day. And my faith in him guarantees me and us all who put our trust in him eternity. I want to ask you today, what will you choose to focus on in your life? Let's close with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for sending Jesus as the answer to the world's problems. Lord, we want to reach out today and grab hold of our faith. We want to stop focusing on our doubts and put our trust in you because you have never let us down before. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have video presentations on many topics including the one we've just been talking about called Things Are Not As They Seem. We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigau. God bless and I hope you have a magnificent day. Like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me like a river flowing down to the sea like a rushing wind you flow into me like the falling of the snow like the blood that makes me whole is the love of God that flows into me. And like a river you come flooding through the desert of my heart. And like the wind you come rushing, blowing life through every part. And like the snow you're falling on me with the blood You come shining, making darkness run Just like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow the blood that makes me whole is the love of God that flows into me. And like a river you come pouring out your love upon the field. And like the wind you bring the harvest down to take your yield. And like the snow you Touching hearts and making warm and like the sun You raise the mighty light to calm the storm Just like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow, like the blood that makes me whole, is the love of God that flows into me, is the love of God that flows into me.
begun to live the life of every man, and he felt the fascination of the stars. And as he wandered through this weary world, he wondered and he wept, for there were so few who listened to his call. He came, he saw, he surrendered all, so that we might be born again. And the fact of his humanity was there for all to see, for he was unlike any other man, and yet so much like me. Of his heart, and those who hardly knew him, and those who knew him well, could feel the contradiction from the start. He came, he saw, he surrendered all, so that we might be born again. And the fact of his humanity.
You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story Twill be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love